Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Neighborhood Podcast. I'm half of the podcast, Kevin Ballantin. And I'm the other half of the podcast. My name is Kyle Darrow. Kevin, what's going on, man? Dude, we got our, we got ourselves a crazy weekend in basketball, man. We are finally set for the Eastern and Western Conference Finals with both matchups already underway. Or should I say with, yeah, with both matchups already underway. Um, we had some crazy finishes to the semifinal round. And it, I, I mean, if, if we're, if we're looking at it, this was probably one of the better basketball weekends we've had because each game came down to the wire, mm-hmm. each and every one. And it was absolutely insane. But first, uh, just to go over the agenda really quick, we're going to talk about the Hawks and 76ers game that just went final about maybe an hour ago. The Hawks advanced to their first Eastern conference finals in about six years. They beat the number one seeded Philadelphia Sixers by the score of one Oh three to 96. Uh, then we're going to talk about the L.A. Clippers with their Game 6 victory over the Utah Jazz. We know that that took place on Friday after Kyrie and Kyle and I finished recording. But I think that that does need a little bit of a mention. So we'll, we'll touch on that very quickly. And then we'll slide right into the Game 1 of the Western Conference playoffs with the Clippers and the Suns. Uh, the Clippers ended up losing that game by a score of 114 to 120. Devin Booker goes for a 40-point triple-double. Ironically enough, the first career triple-double for Devin Booker with Scoring, I believe, what was it, 40, 13, and 11? Yeah, 40, 13, and 11. Absolutely insane. Booker seemed unguardable. And then lastly, we're going to touch on the game that took place yesterday, last night, which was the Milwaukee Bucks at the Brooklyn Nets, game seven in overtime. And the Milwaukee Bucks squeak away with a win at 115 to 111. Kevin Durant goes for 48 points. Giannis goes for 40. I mean, you, you want to talk about an all-star, superstar matchup to, to, to send a team to their, their conference final. That was it. That was the one. It came down to basically an inch of space between Kevin Durant's foot and the three-point line to possibly send Brooklyn to their conference final. But Kevin's foot was on the line, and we'll get into that in just a minute. Um, other than that, I believe that's going to be the end of it today. We're going to keep relatively short. We just wanted to make sure that we got all of our basketball content in for uh for the week it is a little late on our end it's 11 45 kyle and i both had pretty long days so guys without further ado let's dive right into it kyle the hawks shocked the world they took out the number one seed philadelphia 76ers um not by the star-studded performance of trey young mind you trey hit the marvin the most important shot of the night but he did have a very poor night from the field and an unsung hero that nobody expected and kevin herter so, I mean, I just want to ask you, 
are the Atlanta Hawks for real? Is this the final, maybe the final strike to prove that maybe they're actually, they, they should be taken a little bit more serious? I got to be honest here. I didn't give the Atlanta Hawks much of a chance in the first round matchup that they had against the Knicks. I put the Knicks in that first round matchup against the Hawks. The Hawks just blew the doors off of them. And then to be quite honest with you, I thought the 76ers were going to be able to dispatch the Hawks out of the playoffs fairly quickly, but the Hawks kept just fighting the entire series. They get to a game five where the series is tied 2-2. Atlanta wins a massive game five on the road. They lose a close one at home in game six, and then they shock the world by going back to Philly again and getting a major win to put them in their first Eastern Conference Finals since 2015. So just all in all, you got to give a lot of credit to the coaching staff of Nate McMillan. Nate McMillan has probably been the unsung hero of this entire team to be able to come from an interim head coaching spot to get this team to an Eastern Conference Finals appearance is nothing short of phenomenal. So you got to give a lot of respect where it's due there. And as far as Game 7 goes, I'll be honest with you, both teams really had a difficult time shooting. Just like you mentioned, Trey Young, he only shot 5 of 23 from the field. He only scored 21 points. Kevin Herter was the surprise standout for them. He was really the standout as far as their players go today. He dropped 27 points, shot over 50% from the field, and not down a couple threes as well. I also thought Danilo Gallinari, coming off the bench, played 30 minutes, was 6 of 13 from the field, but he dropped 17 points, and he was their leading scorer coming off the bench. And he had the turnover in the most critical moment of the game, gets a steal from Joel Embiid. He ends up, I think, he can get out to Trey Young with about 40 seconds left, and then that puts him up six points. And then at that point, the game's pretty much over at that point. So really a shock to me was the Hawks winning the series, but I got to look at, at Philly here and – I got to look at Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons, I think, is going to be the odd man out in this one because Joel Embiid, he got 31 points, 11 rebounds and three assists. Tobias Harris, granted, he did score 24 points, but he did shoot 8 of 24 from the field, so he did not necessarily have the best night shooting. Seth Curry played fine with 6 of 10 for the field and got 16 points. I'm looking at Ben Simmons, though, and he's the odd man out, and he is by far their biggest liability on the team. And Joel is clearly the number one on the team. But when your number two is that much of a liability to the point where you can't even put him in at end of game, at end of game situations, there's not really much use for him. He can't shoot. He can't shoot free throws. And pretty much all he's good for is facilitating, maybe get some rebounds and maybe some seller defense on the other side of the court, but he's got to be able to shoot. And, it didn't happen in the series form. So I'm quite surprised that the 76ers are out of the playoffs. One of the best teams in the league. They were the number one seed this year, but yeah, getting b- bounced out of the second round to the playoffs, that's a bad luck. And once again, Doc Rivers just cannot get a team to where they need to go. This team had finals aspirations and they fall short once again. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to bounce off the... Ben Simmons portion really quick. I mean, a lot of people made the comparison, at least a lot of people that I know. Um, what's the difference between Ben and Giannis? You know, both of them liabilities from the free throw line to a certain extent. Both of them have the inability to shoot 
but they can both rebound. They can both defend. Uh, they can both uh, pass the basketball. I would say Ben has the advantage in terms of his handle and being able to kind of wiggle his way through to find his way at the rim and kick out. I would say that Ben is more of a true passer than Giannis, but obviously Giannis has taken his game to another level as of the last four to five years. And being one of the best players in the league, obviously winning two back-to-back MVPs. So Ben might not even be on this team next season. I mean, I know that earlier this year, there was huge debates on whether or not Philly should pull the trigger and make that trade for James Harden. And they had all the faith in Ben Simmons. And I mean, if I'm being honest, this, this, that, that's probably going to be the thing that bites them in the ass in the offseason to say, damn, we could have had James. You know, James could have been that next running mate, and they may have steamrolled Atlanta. Maybe mm-hmm. James doesn't get hurt. Who knows? You know, Tobias Harris, James Harden, and Joel Embiid with the shooter like Seth Curry in the corner, you know, kind of a, kind of like a blanket on the outside. Who's to say that they don't make it to the finals on their aspect? So Philly definitely let a lot of people down. Uh, Philly did have finals aspirations, like Kyle said. But, you know, let's not forget, Joel Embiid did have 31 points, but he had eight turnovers. Mm-hmm. You cannot ignore your superstar, your main focal point of offense to let go of the basketball and be sloppy that many times. But, you know, on the opposite side of basketball, Trey had six. So, you know, both number one options for each team respectively had a very sloppy day with the basketball today. And, you know, the game could have went either way for the majority of the game, other than Philly struggling in the second quarter, only putting up 18 points. Um, the game relatively went back and forth for the, for the majority of the game. But, you know, Atlanta found a way to pull away. Trey Young hit the, 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 the shot that needed to be hit. Atlanta was up, I believe, three with about two and a half minutes to go. Trey pulls up from about 28 feet, hits a, a three-point shot, and it puts them up six. And Philly just wasn't able to recover from that point. Mm-hmm. Ben Simmons had five points today. Unacceptable. Absolutely intolerable. He had 13 rebounds or 13 assists or something like that. Did I get it backwards? No, he had, yeah, 13 assists and he had eight boards. Five points? Mm-hmm absolutely not you're 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 making what what was it 180 million dollar extension he signed like two years ago you're making that much money bro there's no shot you should be five points nah that inexcusable and the bench didn't step up either i you can't really put it all on ben you know the bench only had two eight two three i mean their leading scorer was uh matisse theibel with eight points but you had dwight howard with zero points and would look to be towards the end of the game, like 18 fouls. He got called for a flagrant at one end. He kind of knocked Trey Young over on another play. And then it just, from there on, I mean, it really just looked like, it just looked awful. George Hill had three points. Uh, Milton had two points. So, you know, F- Philly did miss a lot of pieces in terms of, you know, a lot of their players just did not perform. It wasn't just Ben's fault, but, you know, you always look to the superstar to, for the blame because, you know, you're the guy with the ball in your hands at all times. So, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know if Ben Simmons is even on this roster next year. I think that maybe they listen to trade offers because the, the, like I said, the, like where I said to start my segment off was the difference between Giannis and Ben was Giannis has been making strides. Giannis can at least hit, 25 to 30% of his three-point shots. Ben doesn't even take them. Ben doesn't even shoot because he knows he can't. Ben knows when he goes to the basket, if he gets fouled, he's hoping he makes the the, the layup or the shot that he throws up because if he's got to make two free throws or one free throw, odds are literally nowhere near in his favor. Ben Simmons just has the – it's not the fact that he's working on his shot. He just cannot shoot, period. It almost looks like he – shouldn't shoot at all 
So I think that that's going to be the biggest concern Philly in the offseason is whether or not Ben Simmons comes back. And just to kind of reiterate your point about Ben, you got to understand, you remember the expectations that he had coming out of LSU. This guy was being put on a pedestal in the same sentence as LeBron James. Absolutely ridiculous. And the one thing that I see from him is, don't get me wrong, his ability to facilitate is solid. But there are more components to his offensive game that are just lacking. And for me, the the shooting aspect, I think that's just a confidence issue. I just don't think he, he can get it out of his head. And when you're basically put on a pedestal, Granted, you know, the media likes to do that a lot. They like to put guys on pedestals and give these guys amazing amazing projections of where these guys can go in their career. But, you know, I imagine that there were some there were some skeptics out there that were saying the shooting was a concern coming out of college. And as it stands right now, they were right. And the way that I look at it, I don't think it's going to improve anytime anytime soon. I mean, not not just his three-point shoot. Like, the three-point shot is irrelevant at this point because he barely takes them. Just mid-range jumpers. He's just not confident in his, his shot-making ability from 15 to 20 feet out. If he was able to get that part of his game at least somewhat locked down, it'd be a different story. But the way that I look at it right now, his inability to shoot is going to cause some tension on the team. And I agree with you. I think the team is going to start looking at possible trade options with him. If he can't turn it around, I think they may give him one more year just to kind of see where he can go and maybe try to see if he can improve his game a little bit. But I think it's going to be a short leash. They're not oh, going to give him much time. They're not going to give him much room. And the way that I see it, and B's not the problem. Granted, he did have eight turnovers today. And the team overall had 17 turnovers as far as the Sixers go. But yeah, Ben could be the odd man out here. But, you know, I don't want this to get lost in translation. The Hawks stepped up. They Big were time. they were cold. they were smart with the basketball. They only turned the ball over 10 times in a hostile environment like Philly. And when they needed to make their shots and get defensive stops, they made it. I mean to hold Philly to under 100 points at home in a game 7 to send either team to the Eastern Conference Finals. That's outstanding. And it's like I said you have to give Nate McMillan a lot of credit for what he's been able to do with this team. It's been sensational. Yeah, I mean, since we're talking about someone that can't shoot, that actually is a perfect segue into someone that actually ended up shooting the lights out in a Game 6 matchup that led his team to the Western Conference Finals, and that is Terrence Mann, who absolutely lit the Utah Jazz up. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the... Uh, the scouting report for the most part of Terrence Mann was someone that played very solid defense, was able to finish inside the paint. Uh, not necessarily known for his shooting capabilities. He's definitely one of those players that, you know, if he was open, you'd let him shoot it and you'd live with what happened as an outcome. They leaned more towards that percentage of him missing. That was not the case on Friday night because Terrence Mann went, like I said, off. And he was seven of 10 from the three point line alone. 15 of 21 from the field with 39. That's a three, nine. He led both teams in scoring 39 points in a win against the number one seeded Utah jazz. So that score ended up being 119 to 131. The jazz absolutely were just annihilated in LA. 
And I think that that just is solely behind Terrence Mann's performance. I mean, nobody expected a random player like that to pop off. So, I mean, Kyle, my, my question to you is, can L.A. keep this up throughout the rest of the postseason without Kawhi? Well, even when Kawhi went out, you and I both thought that the Clippers were in serious trouble. Yeah. And then they proceeded to win the next two games after he was out. So I don't know long-term that it's best a uh, best-case scenario that Kawhi is out of the lineup. But even with him out of the lineup, the Clippers as a whole have stepped up tremendously. And they proved it in the Utah series. Mind you, even though that the Clippers won that game by 12 points, Utah was up by 25 points in that game. Utah was on fire. Donovan was having a great game. They were giving, getting great three-point production across the board from the entire team. And then the third quarter happened, and the Clippers could not miss a shot. I believe the Clippers almost scored damn near 80 points in the second half alone. There was a point in time. 81. There was a point in time where I forget if it was like the end of the third quarter or the early part of the fourth quarter where they pulled up a stat, and they were saying that the Clippers were shooting 18 of 24 from the field since the second half had started. You're shooting 75% from the field. I don't care who you're going up against. The Jazz can't compete with that. Just the Clippers were knocking down shots left and right. And Paul George had a great game. I believe Reggie Jackson had another solid game as well. But like you said, the man of the game was Terrence Mann. 39 points, knocked down pretty much all of his shots except for six of them. And even Donovan Mitchell, who had a solid game as well. I believe, did he drop 37? 39. 39, 39, nine and nine, bro. Almost a triple double in a loss. He was astounded when he was reading the box score during his press game, uh, his post game press conference. And he was looking at Terrence Mann's stats and he was saying he only missed six shots. He was astounded by what Terrence Mann did in that game. And who would have thought Terrence Mann out of all the people from the Clippers is the one that shows up and drops buckets on the jazz and leads this massive rally to come back from 25 down and get the series clinching win for the Clippers. You know, what's wild to me, the two number one seeds in the Eastern and the Western conference, both blew a 20 plus point lead in their respective games in their respective series. It's absolutely wild that a 25 point lead apparently is not safe anymore because the Clippers got hot. And they never looked back. And the Jazz just couldn't keep keep up with them. It's it's absolutely wild to me that the Clippers were able to get this game back in their control. And to win it by double digits, hey, that's a great performance in the Clippers. So you got to give them a lot of respect for that. Against a very good team in the Utah Jazz. And once again, Utah falls short. Utah is a, is, is a very good team. But title aspirations? I don't know. I don't know about this team. I, I personally love Donovan Mitchell. He's been a stud all year. This team is still a little bit away from a finals uh, aspiration. Is, is a little bit of ways away from getting to the finals, in my opinion. You're 100% right. I mean, we're not going to harp on this too long since this did happen on Friday. But, I mean, my, my final closing point is going to be Mike Conley had five points. First game back in about two, three games, played 26 minutes, one of eight from the field. Mike Conley also had six turnovers. Yep. 
that was not helpful whatsoever. Granted, you know, the biggest issue here, aside from, you know, lack of offense or production from certain players was their inability to defend. Like Kyle said, yeah. LA shot the lights out 81 points in the second half. Are you like kidding me? Like Utah scored under 50 in the second half. So the blowout happened, the comeback happened. And I mean, LA's moving on, but I mean, let's not take away from Utah's phenomenal season. Jordan Clarkson had six man of the year. Donovan Mitchell was absolutely spectacular. I don't know if Rudy Gobert deserved that defensive player of the year award. A lot of people are kind of calling for it to be returned after this series. Did not live up to it this, this postseason. Again, but my thing is with, you know, defensive player of the year, when it's given to a center, a lot of people fail to realize if the outer perimeter is getting torched, what exactly is Rudy Gobert supposed to do? So that's neither here nor there. Yeah. The defensive player of the year award is a skewed award in my personal opinion. Um, you know, shout out to Utah for their series, or should I say season? It was great. You know, they, they, they made the best of it. They were the number one seed in the Western Conference and the best record in the NBA. But I said it when the playoffs began. Utah's just not a team that I can put faith into. Utah's not a team I'm going to bet on going until down the down the stretch. I think Donovan needs another role player here. Mike Conley's a free agent after this season, so we'll see what Utah's GM does. But you know, shout out to the Clippers, man. As much as I hate to admit it, I know Tyrese probably livid. I was just gonna say that, dude. They're they're not out of, they're not out of the offs yet, bro. Not yet. So, I just know Tyree is not happy that Reggie Jackson and Paul George make it to another series. Reggie hey, had 27. Paul, hey, George, Paul George had 28. Hey, the, Paul George has been playing sensational these playoffs. He's yeah. been stepping since up. Ky, since Kawhi was out. He's had good games and bad games with him in, but he's definitely been hooping way better without him. That series against Utah, though, I can't hate on, on his performances. He played lights nah. out. Speaking of lights out. Perfect segue into the next one, which also involves the Clippers, but we're just going to kind of go right through, power through, through the Western Conference Finals. Game one, Mm -hmm. as I mentioned, Devin Bucket Booker dropped 40 points against this Clipper team with 13 assists and 11 rebounds. I think if this persists, Book might have to drive up in a hearse like Kyle's been asking for for the last, like, two series. I've been waiting for it. I've been waiting for it. I need to see it. So, so, so my thing is with this one, the Clippers are, I think, one of a few teams to come back and win a series or back-to-back series from being down 2-0 in one single postseason. I'm not going to put too much into this because, obviously, Kawhi is out and because they only won by six, and it is only game one. And again, LA has been coming back in every series that they've played in. So I can't say a lot, but I'm trying to say, dude, do you think that this Phoenix team has it in them to power through and win another three and carry themselves into the finals? I don't care if it goes to seven games. Do you think Phoenix can hold off this hot clipper team? Yes. Just because the confidence and the swagger that Phoenix has this year has just been so infectious. They, pretty much handled the Lakers pretty easily in their series, winning that series in six games. They destroyed the Nuggets in a, in a four-game sweep. That was the one that really kind of caught me off guard. I thought the Nuggets were, were going to put up a little more of a fight in that series. Now, this one is interesting because the Clippers have been extremely tough this postseason. That Dallas series was the one that really kind of proved to me to be their toughest one because they won that one in seven games. But they beat the Jazz in six, the number one seeded team. And, the, and honestly, the best team in the league this year. Now you're going, going up against Phoenix. Phoenix has some young guys. 
that are hungry, they're ready to prove something, and they're shooting the lights out. I mean, you got DeAndre Ayton, who was just a monster down low in game one. He scored 20 points, also had nine rebounds as well. But it, it's Booker. It's Dev. You got to stop Dev. And nobody has had an answer for him the entire postseason. The Lakers tried. He dropped like damn near 50 in that game six series clinching win against the Lakers. I know he didn't drop 50, but he was damn near close to it. And then you look at just Booker. It's, it, it's very rare for me to actually see him miss because once he gets on a hot streak, he's just knocking them down left and right. And until the Clippers can make some sort of adjustment to just slow him down, it's, I think it's going to be a very difficult series for the Clippers. I, I'm not discounting that they can come back. We definitely have to see what Kawhi can bring to the team when he does return. If he does return, we're not 100% sure when he will. But the Suns don't even have Chris Paul in right now. You put Chris Paul back in this lineup, I don't know how the Clippers can defend against this. I mean, Phoenix dropped 120 on the Clippers in the first game of the series. You put Chris Paul back in here, Depending, I don't know, it could be game two, game three, game four. I don't know when he's going to come back. Once he gets into his facilitator guru type thing that he his loves. His point to do, God mode. Yeah. I think the, the Suns are unstoppable. I just don't know how the, the Clippers are going to be able to handle them defensively. That's really the issue here. I think the Clippers are going to be able to score against this team. It's just, I just don't think that Phoenix is going to be slowed down offensively i just don't think the clippers have the defense to actually compete against phoenix here so it was a very compelling game one honestly it's a very back and forth game up until maybe like the last two minutes of the game sun's got a 10 point lead i think after mikhail bridges knocked down a three-point shot that pretty much diced it so the clippers gotta make adjustments they gotta limit the sun's ability to knock down those threes they definitely get on a roll when they start knocking them down and they gotta slow down booker if they could do that, they got a decent shot in game two. But it's an uphill battle for the Clippers, in my opinion. 130%. What's crazy is Devin had, I got it wrong, it was 13 rebounds and 11 assists. So between Devin Booker and Cameron Payne, that's 20 assists because Cameron had nine. Mm-hmm. As a unit, the team had 31 assists. They shot 100% from the free throw line and just under 41% from the three-point line. So I do love here how a lot of the team put in effort. They only run pretty much in a, a nine-man rotation for the most part in most games. Yeah. Um, and we're sitting here, we're looking at the bench, and Cam Johnson had 12 off the bench. Tony Craig had eight. Um, Dario Saric, you know, got put in a body bag relatively quickly by DeMarcus Cousins. And, you know, it's pretty bad. He only put up two points. But I'm saying, like, everybody seemed to put up a lot. Like I said, D-Book had 40. Cameron Payne had 11, Aiton had 20, Bridges had 14, Crowder had 13, Cameron Johnson had 12. So like everybody did what they needed to do. Yeah. They played relatively good defense. Um, both teams actually pretty much popped off relatively high in the second and third quarters. The Clippers had 33 and 39, and then the, the Suns had 36 and 36. But the Suns found ways to pull away late in the fourth quarter. Devin hit some clutch free throws. You know, they played some good defense. I believe they had about two steals in the last – 30-something seconds or whatever have you. Like, they just kind of sealed it and iced it. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't agree more with Kyle. Um, this 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 Suns team looks for real. They look very deadly. They look very scary. And unless they find a way to slow Devin Booker down, let alone when Chris Paul gets back on this court, 
I don't know, even with Kawhi, if there's going to be if, if they're going to be able to stop them. They've just been gaining confidence with every series that comes and beating LeBron James and then beating the defending, or should I say, the reigning MVP. Um, it just seems like this is going to be a very tall task for the Clippers. Obviously, Paul George has been sensational. He had 34 points. Reggie Jackson had another great game. But other than that, those are the only two players in double figures that weren't DeMarcus Cousins. And DeMarcus Cousins, DeMarcus Cousins barely played in the last two series. So for him to come off the bench in 13 minutes and put up 11 points, it's pretty big for the Clippers. They, they need yep. that spark off the bench. Their bench has been their most inconsistent part of the lineup outside of Terrence Mann, who, who started, who starts now. But he had a great, or should I say, he had a comeback down to earth game. He only had nine points. Yeah. So the Clippers are going to need a lot more production. Marcus Morris had six. Batum had five. Mann had nine. Um, Rondo had eight. Beverly had, had two. Cousins had 11, though. Yeah, so Cousins was the only one. But outside of Paul George and Reggie Jackson, everybody else was poop. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and it was still a six-point game. So all I got to say is, you know, the Suns are for real. Uh, shout out to D-Book for, again, I know I said it with Tyree, but shout out to D-Book for, for sending that fan to this game and sending him an autographed jersey and whatnot. I thought that was dope. Did, did, and, you, see, uh, did you see that they were making T-shirts? They were passing out t- T-shirts with that guy's face saying four? Like yep. they were passing out t-shirts outside the arena. I thought that was hysterical. That's, it's absolutely amazing. The Phoenix Suns fan base is kind of funny right now, but um, hey, let them, yeah, have, no, their, let them I, have their moment. They're having agreed, fun. Agreed. Agreed. It seems like you're becoming a son. I see the, the the orange. I don't know if that was planned or not, but you know, I know it's LA to you die, but damn, yeah, you're foreshadowing. I know. It just happened to be the shirt that I'm wearing. It seems a little bit too convincing if you ask me or too coincidental. Maybe, but I, I do want to add one more point though with the Clippers. I don't think this is necessarily a game that they should look back and be like entirely disappointed. Yeah, obviously you lost the game and you know, it sucks, you know, with the result that they had, but to only lose this game by six points in a game that they were going back and forth the entire game. Absolutely. I think if they just make, I think if they just make some minor adjustments here, I think more on the defensive side, because I think they're going to be able to score against Phoenix. They just have to be able to limit Devin to under 30. If they get book under 30, in any point throughout the series, I think that's a win in their book. <laughs> Part of my pun there, but yeah, right. Um, they just can't let book cook, and that's really kind of what it comes down to. If he's dropping hardest task, if he's dropping 30, 35 a game, it makes the Clippers. It puts a lot of pressure on them, and I think if, if they can limit him to under thirty, I think it gives the Clippers a decent shot in the series. But that's easier said than done. <sighs> Talking about easy shots. This man in the next segment is hitting a bunch of not easy shots. And that man is Kevin motherfucking Durant. Dude, this whole series without Kyrie, without Harden, with Harden, with Kyrie, certified bucket, man. He has cemented himself. Uh, He might be taking the reins from Braun. I think if it's anybody, it's going to be him. Like you said, it's him or Steph, but. With him just exiting the postseason, I think that I think KD solidified himself as the best player in basketball right now because he did everything he had to do in the last two games and then in this series and and basically dropping what over a hundred points by himself. Um, it, it's it, it's kind of crazy and it's wild. It's absolutely wild to, to to really think that we're talking about an inch of a difference between sending your team 
to the final to the western to the eastern conference finals versus getting sent home is kind of crazy and he still hit that shot which is nuts at least it sent them to ot but you can tell within the last couple of games kevin durant basically playing every minute of every basketball game in the last couple of games has taken its toll and he it showed in the last couple of seconds of overtime where he pulled up from the three-point line and it was short and you saw him just kind of grab his knees and just gasp for air for the most part yep. I mean what, what I'm trying to say here Kyle is is it more that Milwaukee was able to hand on or was it because KD ran out of gas that's a tough one I'm gonna say I'm actually gonna say the Bucks won this one because there were multiple times that KD knocked down some incredible shots not just in, in game seven, but in multiple games throughout the series. And despite that, the Bucks were able to come back and rally against it. So you have to look at the Bucks here, and you got to give them a lot of credit for staying poised under the pressure. And Giannis was a beast this entire series. In game seven, he proved it once again, dropped 40 points, 13 rebounds, five assists. And he was the one constant throughout the entire series for the Bucs. The Nets couldn't really limit him in any sort of way. Pretty much every game, he was scoring 30 or 30 plus. So Giannis, this was really one of the best series that I've ever seen him play in the playoffs. He was just a man amongst boys. I thought Chris Middleton had an okay game. Didn't necessarily have the best shooting performance in game seven. He did drop 23. I thought Brooke Lopez stepped up in a huge way in game seven. Almost had 20 points by himself. Granted, the bench didn't do much. They run an eight-man They run an eight-man rotation in, in Milwaukee. Connaughton dropped nine. But, you know, at game seven, you have to use every single one of those points because you don't know if you're going to get them from anywhere else on that on that bench because Brent Forbes only played five minutes. He didn't score anything. I believe Giannis's brother only played a minute. He didn't score anything either, but Hey man, give the bucks credit. Despite Katie knocking down some amazing shots throughout this series, the bucks were able to just ride the wave, so to speak, and make some shots at the right times and give themselves an opportunity to win against arguably the favorite coming out of the East, which was the Nets. I think a lot of people had this penned in that Brooklyn was going to go to the finals when this team was assembled with KD, Kyrie, and James when they made that midseason or the in-season trade for him. The fact that the the Bucs were able to beat that three-headed monster in Brooklyn, I think you got to give them some credit for that. Don't get me wrong. I think KD did run a ga- run out of gas at the end as well. I'm just going to give a little bit more credit to the Bucks. The Bucks held held strong against this team, so you got to give them credit for that. No, I mean big shout out to Milwaukee for for holding on. We, I mean, I, I want to say about a week and a half ago, we were talking about this possibly being a sweep because of just how bad they were playing at the beginning of the series. Yep, and they found a way to claw their way back and take this to a game seven and then win. But it does circle back to the scary point of injuries. If Kyrie doesn't get hurt, is this the same outcome? If James doesn't get hurt, is this still a sweep? 
I mean, we're talking here. James Harden was probably under 80%. I mean, he just looked god-awful, throwing up garbage pretty much the last two games he's played mm-hmm. since he came back with the hamstring. I mean, he had 22 points, but that's because he was 10 of 10 from the free throw line. Don't let that fool you. He was 5 of 17 from the field, 2 of 12 from the three-point line. Did put the whole game up. He did. Again, absolutely atrocious though so i give it to him for being i i will give harden a lot of respect for going out there basically on one leg and playing every possible minute that you can and trying to will your team to win because you you just knew again i don't like james harden but you can tell that he was just not feeling it he was just off and he was hurt and he was limited but with the you know lacking piece that is Kyrie Irving a crucial piece to this team who's to say that Brooklyn does not win this series a lot earlier again it's it's almost similar to the Lakers if LeBron James and AD aren't hurt or incapacitated maybe they win their series so the two projected favorites end up losing due to injury Mm -hmm. Um, you know I'll give Phoenix a little bit more credit because they're just they're they're continuing their dominant run in throughout this playoff so you know it may have gone seven I won't disrespect them like that but if Kyrie and Harden and KD are healthy, I think that they sweep their way through this whole playoffs. I think this is like a, a run through because other than Giannis scoring 40, Middleton and Drew Holiday had very poor shooting nights pretty much every night in and out. Like they were shooting under 50%, or excuse me, under just under 40% for the majority of this series. And it just did not look good. I mean, if it wasn't for Giannis, I believe that this team would actually get annihilated. Like they might have to enforce a mercy rule because. Kevin Durant was a man amongst boys as well, and he just could not be stopped. It didn't matter who guarded him. P.J. Tucker, Giannis Antetokounmpo, a double team. KD was hitting shots that you just kind of question yourself, like, is he a human being or is this, like, is this staged? Is it fixed? Did they put a bigger rim on the other side of the court because he just (laughs) – everything went in? The the Nets should have won this series, though. Yeah. Because to to me, there were really two – I would say there were two critical points in the series where Brooklyn really could have just ended it for Milwaukee. That game three where no team could hit a shot. I think Milwaukee won that one like 86 to 83. 83. It was just an atrocious game offensively. That was the only game that I thought Chris Milton actually was the best player for Milwaukee in that one single game. Yeah, like 31 or something. And then that game five, Katie knocks down that tremendous three-point shot believe he shot it in, P- in PJ Tucker's face as yeah. the shot clock was expiring. And I really thought that Brooklyn would have gotten some, some momentum from that game five after they went up three, two, but it's like I said, Milwaukee just found a way to hang around and against a team like Br- Brooklyn. Sometimes it's all you need. Give yourself a chance. And I thought overall, I thought, you know, Milwaukee, was actually pretty good offensively with not giving the ball over, uh, not turning the ball over. If I'm looking at the stats correctly, they only had seven turnovers in game seven. Brooklyn had almost had 13. So those are some extra possessions that Milwaukee took advantage of. And, hey, Milwaukee finds themselves in a situation where they're only four games away from a finals appearance. And granted, they're now back in that position a couple years ago from – when they were going up against Toronto in the Eastern Conference Finals when Toronto had Kawhi. Now they're going up against a team where, I'm going to be quite honest with you, I think Milwaukee has the edge against Atlanta just as of right now, just looking at the matchup on paper. But, you know, I think this Milwaukee 
Atlanta series is going to be fun. Not the series that I expected when these NBA playoffs started, but I like the parity here. It gives these, these new and up and coming teams a chance. And it's not as it, to me, these playoffs this year are not as scripted as, or really predictable as in years past. It's not like LeBron's in the finals going up against Curry or it's not Curry always in the finals, or it's not KD in the finals. Like You have some new teams coming into the fold that are really kind of making a name for themselves. And I think for the league, I think it's for the betterment of it. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm just, I'm just looking at this, and I'm just wondering, like, obviously Harden was limited, but what, what, what went wrong? And I'm, I'm looking at one person, it's Joe Harris. Joe Harris kind of disappeared this series. Yeah. Joe Harris was was going to be that 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 next option outside of Kyrie and Harden. He was going to be that kind of next person to hit some big shots, some clutch shots. He was their three point specialist. He was signed to a big extension this past off season for his ability to be able to shoot, and he was abysmal in this series. He was lackluster. He was kind of non existent. And you know, Blake Griffin wasn't going to go out there and give you thirty. Jeff Green had one incredible game in that series, but that's about it. Outside of that, I mean, Bruce Brown had fourteen, but again, not a big score. So it's like when you run a tight rotation like Brooklyn does, and and Harden and KD play the entire game. Bruce Brown plays basically the entire game. He rests for one minute. Joe Harris plays forty-seven minutes, and Blake plays forty. Steve Nash pretty much ran the starters all the way to the ground. Yeah. So you know. It, it's it's not a surprise that they kind of got burnt out towards that late second half or should I say uh, fourth quarter overtime push. But what's going to happen next year, man? There's a lot of question marks. Uh, Kyrie's health is in question. Obviously, we do know that, you know, Kevin Durant isn't getting any younger, but he has shown that he is still that guy. Blake Griffin's a free agent. Is James Harden going to be able to rehab that that hammy that's been nagging him for pretty much the entire second half of the season? And are they going to be able to bring any more pieces? Because outside of those other players, Brooklyn has no real talent. So yeah, we'll see what happens in this offseason. And we'll see if they're able to reload because there are some contracts here that they might need to get rid of. And they're going to need to get these guys some help because as you can see, they're not in their prime anymore in terms of like youth and health. Kyrie missed a lot of games. KD missed some games. Harden missed some games. Harden missed a lot of games. But yeah. And they're they're gonna need somebody to help them out. And, and this team, I think, missed. I think they missed uh, Spencer Dinwiddie as well. He went out with. He the declined his option. He's he, he's opting out. Yeah, so he's gonna be a free agent this year. So, you know, when I look at this Brooklyn team, it's like you said. I just think the starters just were overplayed, and this back end of the roster is bad. It's abysmal. There's, no, there's nobody. There's nobody here. Nobody off their bench scored. All the starters scored. Like, you can't have that happen. It's putting way too much pressure on the starting five. And I don't know about pressure. It's more along the like, this is putting a lot of physical strain on these people. I know. These these guys ain't young no more. I mean, 53 minutes. For both. For both Harden and and KD. And I know Harden wasn't 100% either. But, man, I... I mean, granted, it is a game seven. I will give them that. So, yeah, you got to put everything out in the line, but it's just at, you got to have some sort of rotation. At least Milwaukee, when you look at Milwaukee, they they have a little bit of a rotation off their bench. You've got Pat Connaughton playing at least 23 minutes off the bench, but 
you know, it's a game seven, though. You have to put yeah, it all out of the line. They left it all out there, but that man, Easy Money Sniper, showed, yo, I'm still that dude. And he's going to continue being that guy pending he remains healthy. I'm excited to see what Kevin Durant brings to the table next season because he came back this year with a vengeance. 27, basically averaging 27 points after an Achilles tear. Yeah, he'll be fine. I, I, I'd say he's he's back. I'd say, I think he's fine. I don't think he ever left. Yeah. He, so Kevin, he's Kevin Durant. You know who he is. Oh, I'm very well aware of who he is. Um, I mean, with that being said, guys, that, that's pretty much going to wrap up the episode. I mean, like Kyle said, other than that, there's a, you know, Dinwiddie knocked, uh, knocked. He declined his $13 million option and he will become a free agent this off season. Um, trying to spit fire some other. Oh, James Jones, the one executive of the year with the Suns. Shout out to James Jones, a, a big role player for in the a decade in, in, plus. For, for LeBron James, pretty much following him everywhere he went and, you know, not really playing, if any, at all, you know, other than, like, you know, blowout wins or blowout yeah. losses. But, a, minimal, uh, you know, a minimal impact. Yeah, but shout out to James Jones for going out there and creating a good team out there in Phoenix. Uh, great job, great constructed team, well-organized, great coaching from top to bottom. I think that he it is well-deserved. And I'm thinking around the league of other things that I had maybe heard or other than, you know, Dirk Nowitzki coming back to the Dallas Mavericks as a special advisor to kind of figure out the holes in my organization right now and understand uh, what it is that we need and what we're going to do. I heard there were rumors about Jason Kidd potentially being a coaching candidate. I don't know if that's wise, to be completely honest. We know that his coaching career didn't exactly turn out to be what we all thought it would be. And his headspace isn't exactly what I think the Mavericks need right now, but that's neither here nor there. So, uh, yeah, guys, that, that that's pretty much it, man. Um, anything else, Kyle, that you can think of? I know this is kind of on the fly, but, I mean, we did we wrapped this up pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, outside of that, the Stanley Cup Conference Finals have been sensational so far. Both of the series are currently 2-2. Um, the Vegas Golden Knights, they just tied up the series against the Montreal Canadiens in overtime. And then this past weekend, we had the Islanders tie up the series against the Lightning in game four of that series. So game five goes to Tampa, and uh, that, that'll definitely be a compelling game five. I believe that game takes place on Monday. So I'll definitely kind of be tuned in for that one. And then out, out in the West, it's going to be interesting uh, with Vegas. Vegas has been one of the more consistent teams in the NHL for the last couple of years. And the Canadians have been really strong throughout these playoffs. So it's definitely setting up for a very exciting Stanley Cup final when these two series do come to an end. And I'm definitely going to be paying attention to it. So I'm going to just root for the Lightning because they're the, my local team. So I got to support the boys in that sense. But no, these these games should be very fun to watch. And I'm definitely going to be uh, very interested to see how these series ends up. Yeah. So, I mean, guys, thank you so much for all the support. As we always say, if you're not already subscribed, please do like, comment, share, whatever you have to do to get the channel out there. We're at 174 subscribers. Guys, I don't care if it's a subscriber a week. We're making progress. It just goes to show we got a lot of things coming. Like I say every week, you know, we're, we're making strides to 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 upgrade whatever softwares we need to on the technical end. Uh, the logo is coming. I did speak with my girlfriend today. Uh, she doesn't really have much going on. So she's she's toning in. She's got about three drafts, she said. So Kyle and I are going to be speaking with her as soon as possible in order to get that kind of out there. So, you know, shout out to her. 
and everybody else that's been featured and guests, you know, like Tyree came on last episode and it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, views are kind of being uh, a little bit more on the consistent side lately. Nothing crazy, but it's going up. So uh, again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we're going to continue to bring out everything that we can. And with that being said, guys, we hope you guys have a great week, a great week. And we'll be talking to you all soon. I got nothing more to add. So like Kevin said, we just appreciate the support wherever we can get it. And like Kevin said, we'll see you guys later this week. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, is that the No, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid.